0: I think at the end of the day, like an act of service is probably anything that lets someone know that you're thinking about them. And I think all of us have the opportunities to do that, and it's just a matter of recognizing it.
1: Hi, I'm Hannah Jane, and I'm Sierra, and this is Detached. We're
0: two women in our mid-twenties who have a lot to say about literally everything. We try to focus on what we have learned through our emotional and spiritual growth. We're here to have open, vulnerable, and sometimes pretty hard conversations with each other.
1: Just a reminder,
0: we don't speak for
1: any 12-step programs. All we have are our own stories to share. We are so excited to go on this journey with you all. Let's get to it. Hello welcome back to Detached. (laughs) I am Sierra. Anna Jane is not here this week, but we have a very special guest on. Um, We are interviewing a friend of mine that I know through the 12-step program, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to have her here. She's going to share a little bit about her story, her experience, strength, and hope, and I'm just so grateful for her to come here and have this conversation. So, um,
0: do you want to start by giving your sobriety date? Yeah, thanks. Hi, I'm so excited to be here, and, um, this is my first time doing anything like this, so the nerves are kicking in a little bit. (laughs) Um, so yeah, my sobriety date is November 10th, 2021. That is pretty much the first time I've ever attended an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and I'm just so happy and grateful to have been on that journey so far. Yeah, um, it's been really cool to watch you kind of go
1: through this whole journey and watch your growth and everything, and you've given me so much and and so much like support and advice and everything over the last um, little over a year now. So, I'm so proud of you and I'm so grateful for you. Um So when you first came into the program, like what what was that experience like for you? Like were you gung ho about it? Were you a little like, you know, adverse to it? What what's your experience been with that?
0: Um Yeah, thanks. Um and just before I dive into that, I feel very similarly. Like I'm so happy Um, to be associated with you and to, like, always gain inspiration from you as well. Um, Yeah, no, when I first started coming, going to the meetings, uh, I hated it. I was not gung-ho about it. Um, I was basically forced into it um, by my parents and my husband. For the longest time, they didn't even know that I was alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the amount of lying and (laughs) just the dishonesty in, I guess, just my day-to-day activities kind of eventually caught up with me and they were like, you're going to go to this program and get yourself help or we don't want anything to do with you so when I first started the program I was like cool all of these people in here are gonna help me drink in moderation and like a lady um which is totally not what happened but in the best of ways Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I love that I also was like I'm just gonna do this for a little bit (laughs) this is just (laughs) gonna be a thing that I try and like hopefully it'll help me and then like I'll go back to drinking Um, So, I get that. Um, Well, I'm really glad that you stuck around. And I think, you know, from what I can tell, I think your whole attitude towards everything has shifted. And I think maybe, like, I feel like maybe a couple months in, like, I really just it was so amazing to see you kind of like change your whole attitude and outlook and really just start throwing yourself into the program you just started saying yes to everything and it was it was really cool to watch um and especially now like you're helping other people do that too which is amazing so what um I guess let's rewind a little bit. If you're comfortable talking about it, maybe share a little about, you know, the whole what it was like part before you got sober. And then we can, you know, shift our focus and sort of also talk about what it's like now because that's the most important part, right? But I think talking about what it was like kind of helps everybody sort of relate and understand, you know, where you were at.
0: Definitely. Um, So, just when I started drinking, what it was like is that, first of all, I was a late bloomer, one (laughs) might say. Um, My first drink ever was probably on my 21st birthday, and there was just a very long hiatus after that. I think I only had one drink, and it wasn't really until I was like, 25 or 26 where I just started um being a part of a lot of happy hours at work and um for those that don't know how alcoholism works like you don't have to be drinking to be alcoholic like it's that's just what once you start drinking and how quickly it takes off is basically kind of just the most telltale sign of your problem. Um so when I was 26, I was drinking pretty casually and then a few months later I just was <laughs> blacking out, um going home drunk almost every day. It was just honestly maybe the best feeling in the world, but only for a very short period of time like I thought I was, like, this naturally gregarious person, but um, once you take that alcohol away, like, I'm actually, like, a pretty quiet and shy person, and it takes me a while to warm up to people. I, before I knew it, I got my first DUI, and before I could clear the charges on that, I got a second DUI, but I still could not stop drinking. Like, I went to jail. I... (laughs) Just all these things that I never thought I would see in my life. Um, unmanageability was just of my life was just such so 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 prominent. Um, but I mean, this program, like, after I started, really like throwing myself into it and like being in the middle of the herd, I guess, and just saying yes to everything that people around me in the program have like guided me to do. Like my life has just become so much better. Like the unmanageability slowly started to, you know, wither away. And I slowly started to feel a lot of, like, peace and acceptance towards, like, everything shitty I had done and just being okay with how things are turning out. I love that. That's amazing.
1: Um, One thing that I was thinking about was when we first started hanging out, I remember we were leaving. We had gone and gotten, like, crepes or something, and I remember, and I hope you're okay bringing this up, but um, I remember we were in the car, and I was like, I think I was talking a little bit about my rock bottom, and then I was saying, you know, like, I find that a lot of people, um, you know, who do ha- who do hit that low point, like, in, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says this too, but that, like, when you do hit that point of desperation, like, usually that's that's when people are able to like shift it and like really like just get themselves into the program and like kind of channel that elsewhere. And so we were talking about that and I remember you saying you were like, "Yeah, I didn't really have any sort of a rock bottom. Like that didn't really happen for me." And I was like, "Oh. Well, how did you get like into the rooms then?" And I th- you told me a little bit about it and I was like, that feels like a little bit of a rock bottom to me. <laughs> Maybe, but I'm gonna let you come to terms with that. Like, so it's just so funny um just just to see now, like, you know, how, how much you've learned. Like, and I think it's so cool because so when you say, you know, your life is better now and it's more manageable, you don't have that like crazy unmanageability like you used to. Like, what does that actually look like for you?
0: Um, yeah, backtracking to that crape's story a little bit. <laughs> that's, you know, that's exactly what it was. Like I just wasn't ready to admit um how bad things had gotten and I think at the time I had a very like um traditional idea of like what rock bottom looks like. I was like, "Oh, well I wasn't homeless. Oh, well I didn't end up in the hospital a bunch of times or this or that, but I mean that's different for everyone, and I'm sure multiple people say this, but I'll just repeat it um it was only a matter of time, like I didn't become homeless yet, or I wasn't sick enough to go to the hospital yet, um but yeah, no, that was definitely my rock bottom um and it's just. Um, kind of a testament to like how cloudy and sick my brain was to like not even be able to realize like how bad things had gotten Mm -hmm. um so yeah like things getting better now is I mean what that looks like is just you know (laughs) through the help of the program and the big book and like everything it stands for um a lot of it is just like being able to work through like my thinking that had gotten me to that point and like understanding how my brain works and why it is the way it is and um you know like the program <laughs> is basically surrounded by this concept of a higher power and like me just being able to recognize and nail down what my spiritual higher power is and just constantly relying on that for good judgment and um when i don't have good judgment to just hope for peace and serenity in like whatever fuck ups i've been a part of mm-hmm. um so that's honestly what it looks like like objectively maybe my life isn't, like, 1,000% better if you're looking from the outside. But, like, my mind is so much better that, like, it, like the outlook is just everything to me.
1: Quality of life, too, yeah,
0: right? Yeah, definitely. You also
1: are really good at um, asking for help, which not a lot of people know how to do. And you're really good at, um like, I, I know... When you have, like, a thought that pops up that you're, like, this is, like, an unfavorable thought, I'm going to text it to you and tell it to you so that Mm -hmm. I can, like, take away the power from it, which I think is so huge, and it also takes a lot of humility to do that. Um, So you are very good at that. I'm not always good at that because I think it's so easy to, like, think about something and then you just start thinking about it in your own head, Mm -hmm. and it gains so much traction and kind of just snowballs from there. Um, which I think, especially as alcoholics, like we get so obsessive, you know, we get like obsessive thoughts about things. And, and I think it's just a really good tool to use that like you, you know, if you're like, okay, I like, I'm in this situation and it's making me uncomfortable and I just have to share that. (laughs) Or like, you know, um, like this situation that I'm in is triggering and there's like a lot of alcohol around me. And like, I just have to share that with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is so great and, like, just such a, something that I think a lot of people can take, you know, from that and, and apply it really anywhere,
0: so. Um, yeah, totally. I, I think this is something, like, we've all heard of before, too, but, like, just by saying things out loud, you, like, take the power away, and it's not as big of a deal in your head. Um, I didn't, it it's like not really kudos to me because like everything I do is because people have told me like a million times to Mm -hmm. do it and some things stick and this is just one of them Mm -hmm. right yeah Right. okay so in terms of like
1: you know how your life has changed since getting sober like what um what does like social stuff look for look like for you now because I know a lot of people like I it's interesting because some people I've talked to are like yeah I had to set boundaries and I cut everybody out of my life that I used to drink with and then like some people still like I still have some friends from college and stuff um or whatever so it's always interesting to see like you know what decisions people make like for themselves to protect their sobriety so like what what has that experience been like for you?
0: Um, mostly wonderful. <laughs> um, um, I guess I'm not one of those people that's cut everyone out um, from my drinking days or whatever. Um, but yeah, like setting boundaries is definitely a big part of it. Like the reason. Um, Well, the reason I'm anonymous right now is because I haven't been able to tell everyone in my life that I, you know, am a part of this 12-step program or that I even suffer from alcoholism. Um, So I think with a lot of people that I no longer party with or whatever, that just sort of naturally fell out. Um, My friendships have, you know, just naturally grown apart with a certain group of people, and um, that's something that I had to work through and grieve as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, like, I've just sort of learned that that that's all they were like just because I thought that they were more than drinking friends doesn't mean that that's actually what happened but you know I still have like a lot of wonderful friends and we you know um get together like for dinner still and they're still like having a little bit of alcohol and like I'm at an okay place now where on most days I'm able to be okay with that. I'm able to be neutral to that. Um initially though, I mean, like you were saying, I was I was just attending a lot of meetings and like hanging out with a lot of people from the program and um something you had told me, Sierra, was that you know, I was doing all these things or saying no to social activities. At the time. Okay, quick story time. (laughs) Um, I think a couple months into my recovery, I was sharing in a meeting and saying that I really wanted to go to um, this bachelorette party in Austin. And I... Didn't like I really wanted to be a part of it, but I also didn't because I knew there was gonna be a lot of alcohol, and that was gonna be just like terrible for my recovery like there was no way I was gonna make through it make it through sober mm-hmm. um and you were like, you're saying no to that right now, so you can say yes to these things in the future mm-hmm. and like that was <laughs> probably unintentionally so profound that I like it actually hit me and it just like helped me so much through just being like okay with saying no to things like that so I think that was like a very like rambly way of saying
1: no yeah I think you just figure it
0: out yeah yeah
1: exactly (laughs) no and and like you said like setting boundaries and sort of just I think protecting your sobriety is really what matters the most and if like like you said like if there are things where you feel like like, I love what you said. In most situations and most of the time, like, you're neutral to alcohol, but you know, like, in what situations or depending on, like, you know, what what state of mind you're in or what's going on in your life, like, when it, you're not neutral to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's so important in something like that. Like, you know, going to a bachelorette party with a couple months of sobriety, like, it we tell ourselves, like, oh, that's, I can do that, like, that's no problem, that's fine, and I think it's so beautiful, because that's sort of, when we come into the program, people do tell us, like, hey, maybe let's rethink that, let's let's figure out a plan for that, or I remember there was, like, when I was new, to in the program, like, they'd always say, like, have a plan or have a buddy that you're gonna, you know, go and do things with, mm-hmm. because then you have somebody holding you accountable, and, like, you know, you have a sober friend there who's, like, there with you in the discomfort of everybody else drinking, and you don't feel so, like, I'm gonna willpower my way through this, you know, so, um, that's so cool, um, and I'm glad that that had that effect on you I literally remember you sharing and I was like oh my god no way like she's I just I just (laughs) went to a bachelorette party there like that's so crazy but anyways um
0: yeah yeah it's definitely purely with the help of the people in the room that you know you're even able to make these decisions because like when you're first in the program your brain isn't well like you're not gonna make good decisions so you have to like listen to other people (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they've been through it and they're experienced and yeah they're just there to love you and help you Mm -hmm. okay so I think um I got the opportunity to, you know, share a little bit about my story, and I'd been in the program for a little over a year, um, working through some of these steps, but I kind of want to know about what it's been like for you, because you've been, um, sober for a lot longer, um, (laughs) you've been sober for longer um and from what I know I think um you've tried to be in the rooms a couple of times Mm -hmm. and this is like probably your most serious attempt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so what's that been like for you? Yeah
1: all the turntables okay um (laughs) yeah so I okay so I originally my first meeting in AA was in detox and then from there we had 12 step meetings in my um treatment facility uh the treatment facility that I went to so we had meetings there and I just was like oh my gosh give me more of this I love this like it's where I chaired my first meeting um to a group of men at a 6 a.m meeting so that was really fun it was Mm -hmm. all dudes and then me
0: as one um, does.
1: Yes, yes. But I'm so grateful for those that meeting and, like, those meetings because people would bring them out from outside into the treatment center, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of my first experience. Um, and sort of the first, I'd say, six or seven months of my sobriety, like, I was going to meetings, like, all the time. Um, I was also in IOP, which is Intensive Outpatient Program. Um, which was not my jam. That was, did not, it wasn't my thing. Um, and I, you know, kind of made the decision to not be in that anymore and focus more on going to meetings. And, um, so, so that was really big, and I will say too, like, I'm grateful because I wasn't, I, I was, I was working, but I wasn't working like That's really all I had going on. I don't really have anything else going on. So I had the room and the capacity to be able to, like, throw myself into it and be like, yeah, tell me what to do because I have no idea what to do. And um, it was really cool. I met a lot of really cool people. And then I moved home to San Diego. Um, And then COVID happened. And I, like, just could not get behind the Zoom meetings. I think there's a lot of resistance to that um and that's sort of where the decline started um i not decline i i've been sober this whole time i have not relapsed i want to make that clear um not that that's not okay it's just not um part of my story so um but you know i think it's very easy to um sort of relapse in in an emotional sobriety sense, right? So I definitely feel like that happened in the the term, you know, dry drunk felt pretty applicable for a little bit. Um and my life started to feel pretty unmanageable again as soon as I was disconnected from, you know, the twelve step community. And um yeah, and it wasn't until let's see, I my whole living situation, my relationship started getting really rocky in October of 2021 that I was like oh my god my life is so unmanageable and I'm so grateful because at the time I was like what do what do I know how to do to get help I can go to AA that's what I know like I know those people there know what to do and I need some support I have no friends like I need somebody to help me and like that's where I'm gonna go and I'm so grateful I did and sort of that, that's how I, um, I guess, made my way back into the program. And, yes, I've been a lot more involved this time around. I think the first time in AA, it was, like, for me um, and, like, just trying to help me get sober. And then this time, it's, like, I am so focused on how I can be of service to other people, you know.
0: So. Definitely. I'm so, so glad that you found your way back because... Mm. This community is just so special. Um, So you mentioned that you came back in October of 2021, which is just a month before I started going to the same meeting that Mm -hmm. we're both now a part of. Um, And I think for the first six months of my recovery, um, you... um, you were trying to find a sponsor but Mm -hmm. nothing hasn't quite clicked yet Mm -hmm. um and your story is so unique and special because um this whole time you were sponsorless and you managed to stay sober Mm -hmm. which I think is um a testament to like how strong in general your spirituality is because Mm -hmm. like you had never really you know um let go of the thought of something higher than you, like, still guiding mm-hmm. you, right. um, which is so, so important. Um, so now that you have a very strong relationship with your sponsor, mm-hmm. what, is, um, what is that looking like for you?
1: Um, well, uh, I will call myself out here and, um, you know, tell on myself that I'm still getting through step four. Um, I, I had, my first sponsor was in Boulder and I did step four, um, with her and did step five, shared everything. And, um, and I'll put a link in the show notes for anybody who's curious, like what the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is. Um, so you kind of know what we're referring to, but, um. So, yeah, but so then, you know, I, I had moved back to San Diego, and I didn't take that, like, you know, that sponsored, that relationship ended when I moved. And um so, yes, I have done the steps. I'm almost done with step four, and I literally have said this multiple times recently, but... It's just because it cracks me up. Um, I heard somebody say once that it took him six months and a few hours to do step four. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been dragging my feet on it. And I feel like part of it's not because not I haven't wanted to do it, but I definitely haven't made it a priority. Um, I feel like I've got a lot of things going on right now, and they're all good things. Very happy with all the things that are making me busy but I haven't made step four a priority. So that is where I'm at with my sponsor. And I am purely motivated to do it because I want to be able to sponsor other women. And um, just get through that and and continue on through the steps so that I can get to a point where I can take other, you know, women through, through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. So, yeah, where are you at with your... process
0: um I'm probably in a similar spot I um so for those of you that don't want to look this up step four is about working through (laughs) your resentments um which is why it's pretty funny that someone just went through their entire life's work of resentments in a few hours. I know,
1: seems like it's cutting it a little. (laughs) little
0: (laughs) Sure. Because I too, similar to you, just like dragged my feet for so long, had so much anxiety about it, Mm. was worried about what I was going to discover because everything was going to probably point towards like, what a good job I did messing up my life so far. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I... I'm kind of in a similar spot. I was able to, you know, talk through all of my resentments with my sponsor. So Mm -hmm. I'm just a little past, (laughs) (laughs) past that and very relieved (laughs) to take a breather from the (laughs) uh, (laughs) self-analyzing that went on for months. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot to be in that sort of introspective place for so long and like feeling all of those things um i think what's super what is super interesting too is like when i when i first did step four it was about all my resentments before i got sober like all my resentments in addiction and then now this step four is my resentments that i've had in sobriety Mm -hmm. Which is so crazy. You would think like, oh, you just get step four done and you're good. But no, people do it multiple times, like, throughout their sobriety. Um, And that's been really interesting to see and, like, eye-opening that I'm like, whoa, like, not only... Like, it just makes me realize, like, this isn't... It's not just, like, alcoholism obviously isn't just about alcohol, right? Like, it's a disease in its own sense that our our minds do this crazy stuff and it continues to follow if we're not working, like, a program and we're not in, like, a, a spiritual, like, um, if we're not in a spiritually, like, healthy place, how quickly, like, that can shift. And it doesn't even mean, like, drinking necessarily. But you can just be so sick in your mind in the way that you approach things in the way you interact with people and all that stuff um without even being drunk and sometimes it's almost worse because you don't have the alcohol to help you sort of like you know self-soothe in a way um so that's been really interesting for me is like looking at all the resentments I've had throughout sobriety and it's been eye-opening to see like oh let's uh let's maybe not get to that place <laughs> like let's maybe if there's a resentment work through it and that's what step 10's for but um work through it before it gets like to be this big yucky thing you know
0: yeah for sure and i think that's a really fascinating point because Um, you know, this is a lifelong program, so Mm -hmm. I assume people who've been in the program and working their steps for the fifth, tenth Mm -hmm. time or whatever, like, I imagine there's some of that overlap because you're working through your resentments Mm and sobriety, um, just like some of those people that are further along Mm -hmm. in their recovery would, um, I do want to uh, ask you one question yeah. that's, like, shifting gears. Like, I think we've talked about a, a lot of um, heavy stuff, but I do want to know, like, um, in what ways do you have fun in sobriety? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Besides um, this podcast, of course.
1: Um, well let's see I think everybody knows I'm obsessed with orange theory so that's one Um, (laughs) I love to cook you know that Um, I also am just trying and we talked about this on the podcast last week but just trying to incorporate like more artistic activities and creativity into my life because I feel like I'm not great at that (laughs) like I just don't instinctively like Oh, I'm gonna go paint. Like that's just not my thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, what what do I need to get done today? And that's that's not really um the that that productivity like has its time and its place, but sometimes like that's not really what we're supposed to live in all the time. I feel like I'm in fight or flight a lot. And yeah, so just I'm trying to be more creative and I feel like that is fun, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I wish there was more fun places to go as somebody who doesn't drink on the weekends,
0: you know. So,
1: what do you do for fun? <laughs> um,
0: I'm probably I'm probably more boring, um, but you know, we're lucky to be in a state like Colorado where mm. you can just like mm-hmm get out because there are so many days of sunshine and um that's been so crucial for me just throughout this past year because I don't I'm I'm sure I would figure it out as long as I'm in the program no matter where Mm. I am but yeah like I don't really know what else I would do if I couldn't go out and spend time outside in the mountains as much as I have been Mm-hmm. um that's a big one I really want to start going to more comedy shows because uh, who doesn't love a good laugh mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um I've also um been spending more time cooking because um I have all that time that I'm not hungover now mm. so <laughs> that's very very <laughs> helpful um I don't know just looking forward to spending more time outside I guess
1: I love the comedy thing. That's such a good point. I went to Comedy Works back in October with my dad and his friend when they were visiting, and I hadn't like. I think I was like funny, but he wasn't like you know, mm-hmm. hilarious. And I and I laughed like a lot, and I was just like, oh my gosh, it feels so good to laugh, like just to just to sit here and just laugh with like people you love. I don't know why that's like gonna make me cry. <laughs> Oh but like no, it's so true though. So I love that and I will gladly go to a comedy show with you if
0: you wanna go. Oh my god, absolutely. Um. <laughs> I guess one other big thing I picked up was um not really picked up, but like it I recently got to do like two big international trips mm-hmm. and I'm <laughs> I'm so happy that, like, I didn't have to, like, worry about, like, being blacked out in this Mm. foreign country, Mm -hmm. um, just because I have no control over how much I drink after I drink, like, one sip. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, like, really refreshing to just, like, remember everything Mm. I'm doing and, like, not feeling gross and, like,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. guilty and...
1: Do you think, um you were able to be like more present and to like take in your surroundings around you like on these two trips
0: definitely I think like every morning uh this sounds so cheesy but like I was able to wake up every morning with just like a sense of gratitude for Mm -hmm. being able to like you know make it that far and like being able Mm -hmm. in general to like enjoy um things yeah like because you know in the past (laughs) as an alcoholic Mm -hmm. my brain is obsessed with alcohol so like everything was about like not really being in the present everything was about like how can I get the next drink right It. It sounds drastic when I put it that way, but, like, that really was what it was about. Like, it's like, oh, we can do sightseeing here, but where is the alcohol? Mm -hmm. Like, everything is supposedly enhanced by alcohol, but now I, like, if you just, like, really remove alcohol as an option for you, then, like, your only other option, it feels like, is to be present and, like, soak up the present. Mm, I love that. So, yeah, it's been wonderful. (laughs) Um, And that's, like, another big thing that they say, right? Like, and that's been true for me is my worst day in sobriety still Mm. wasn't. Can you complete that thought? What am I trying to say?
1: You would take your worst day in sobriety over your best day drinking.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Thanks for going through that (laughs) with me. um but yeah totally like no matter how shitty of a day or how hard my recovery got I would still pick that any day Mm -hmm. over just like going back to how crazy and unmanageable my Mm -hmm. life was right okay
1: so I think for me sobriety has given me such a shift in perspective so when you think about you know, worst day sober being then your best day, and I say best in quotes, because I don't know if for me there was ever a best day drinking, um, because they're all pretty terrible. Um <laughs> but so when you say, you know, worst day sober, like how like what does that look like? Because I know for me if I have a bad day, like it's a bad day, but typically I'm able to sort of, like, see the lessons in it and then, like, see what its purpose was and be able to reflect on that. And that's something I know I would not have, like, learned how to do without sobriety. I don't
0: even know if that was,
1: like, a question.
0: No, I think I understood what (laughs) you're saying. Um, But I don't know if I'm going to be able to (laughs) respond to it right. Um, But, yeah, I think it's exactly what you said. I... Um I think now I'm at a point where I'm able to reflect on the positives in a bad day most of the time again um <laughs> <laughs> but you know like I'm still very early in sobriety I probably going to say that multiple times but um earlier in my sobriety like I like one of my bad days <laughs> being sober was just, like, being blindsided by my alcoholism and Mm -hmm. just going to the liquor store and buying a bottle of wine. Like, so not being able to, you know, um, see the telltale signs of, like, me getting to that point, like, the week or two leading up to that point, like, I wasn't able to reflect in the moment like what exactly happened mm. but like thankfully I was able to you know pour down that bottle um and and continue uh without relapsing um again nothing wrong with relapsing I just did it in that moment and um so I guess I just was able to work on that clarity, which which is a skill after being mm-hmm. in the program. Like, it's still a skill that I'm working on to be able to stop. Like, pausing is such a big thing mm-hmm. when, especially when you're having a bad day, right? To be like, what's happening? Like, what can I do to get my head out of this? Mm-hmm. Because the bad things may or may not continue to happen but like your perspective Mm -hmm. is gonna be somewhat positive if you like stop to try to make it positive
1: Mm, i love that that's great what are some other like nuggets that you think like little things you've picked up on that have been really instrumental for you
0: the two biggest things that have been really, really helpful and, like, he and my sobriety are probably consistently attending meetings, like, especially on days that I don't mm. want to mm-hmm. um, because I'm <laughs> – it's very easy for me to be negative and to find excuses to, like, not go to meetings. Like, I'm – generally inconsistent with like doing my step work or like meeting with my sponsor Mm -hmm. or whatever but like the one thing that I have done that I'm very thankful for is like showing up to these meetings because like that's your like dose of this is why you're in the program and this is why you should stay in the program and if you're not feeling well these are the things Mm. that, that you should do it's like a spark notes of Everything wrong with you, and how you can fix it in like the <laughs> most positive way, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other thing is just consistently constantly <laughs> remembering that if you're too into your own head and in your own thoughts, there's always someone out there that you can help because that will in turn help you, like services a very big thing and it doesn't have to be anything big but you know just Mm -hmm. calling and checking up on someone and just just realizing that there's more in this world than just Mm -hmm. you and your problems Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) dude that's so huge that's like my my of course my problem is that all I sometimes do is think about Mm -hmm. my problem um so what are some ways do you think that you Tend to be of service to other people I know it's hard to like pinpoint but maybe if you have any um stories on like how you've been of service
0: um yeah for sure when when I first heard of this concept um being of service like in my head it was such a big thing you know like my act of service had to be so big in mm-hmm. like gesture time (laughs) whatever that like for it to count or whatever but that's you know such a such a silly thing like it I think sometimes it literally is the thought that (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. counts like especially in this case um I don't I feel like there aren't any that like stick out specifically but like a lot of times it's Um, picking up my phone and like texting someone who hasn't been to the meeting in a while Mm -hmm. to be like hey what's up Mm -hmm. um or you know in the program there are service positions Mm -hmm. (laughs) that help me keep accountable and like um whether it's like staying on top of the calendar to make sure there's always someone who's going to be chairing the meeting or um Whatever it is, and one specific hilarious time I can think of is when um, a friend of mine flew to San Diego for the holidays, and I was supposed to go pick her up from the airport um, and it was storming. Um, <laughs> this isn't really an act of service, but it just sort of like came up um, because i I did want to be helpful. Um, but it's just sort of funny how it turned into like a three hour journey through the storm to like bring her back home. but like I'm still like so grateful that I got to do that and like we could have that quality time together in the time of distress <laughs> you know Do you know who I'm talking about I am
1: the friend um, yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that was was absolutely an act of service, just so you know. And yes, we were stuck in a snowstorm for three hours. That was, hmm, yeah, yeah, it was quite the, thank God that you guys did that. I don't know how I would have made it home, so
0: thank you. (laughs) Oh, um, (laughs) that story was just supposed to be funny. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, like an act of service is probably anything that lets someone know that you're thinking about them. Hmm. Yeah. And I think all of us have the opportunities to do that. And it's just a matter of recognizing it. Hmm.
1: That's going to be our nugget. I already know. (laughs) 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 I love that. there anything else that you want to share on like anything else that I don't know just that that really resonates with you like whether it be about the program or just anything like about your journey over the last
0: um you know a little over a year um yeah for sure I think one thing that I wish that I had known going into this program is that you don't have to have you don't have to commit to sobriety the minute you walk Mm -hmm. in um I wish someone told me that I just had to like be thinking about maybe stopping it and like that's really all you need to just like walk in there and just kind of hear some stories and get some hope from it um Mm -hmm. that and that it's not a religious program like Mm -hmm. that that's a big one for me too so um I wish I had known those because I would have you know walked into the program and embraced it a little bit more right away um but hey no regrets because I'm still in a great place Mm -hmm. because of it
1: no, thank you for saying those two things, and I think, um, it reminds me. They say like, willingness is just the sort of key to unlock the door, and you just gotta kind of crack it open a little bit, and just, just, just walk in there, and just get in there, and and see what happens, and just have an open mind. So, and yes, it is not a religious program. It's so funny because I always, sometimes I meet people who are sober or you know, choose not to drink or whatever. And, like, they're like, oh, you're an AA. I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, I tried that. I, I just, I'm not religious. So, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's so crazy. it's <laughs> <That's laughs> me either. <laughs> I'm also not religious. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's more of, like, a create your own concept and your own spirituality, which I love. And I think it um embraces everybody where they're at in their spiritual journey which I love so
0: um thank you so much thank you this has been been so fun yeah it hasn't been fun yeah (laughs) I've had a
1: lot of fun so I'm good I'm I'm glad you you could do this with me and, and I'm so grateful for you and so I'm so grateful to have you in my life and I'm just I'm just so proud of you. So thank you. Stop. I'm proud of you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we could come here and do this. And thank you guys for listening. Um, We will catch you next week. Bye.